How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The debate is over. Now it's time to talk. This is Debate Night in Late Night on Channel Q. Here is your host, Jared Hill. Welcome to Debate Night in Late Night. I am Jared Hill. And, uh... My goodness, they get spicier and spicier and spicier. Uh, I uh, I had a really good time watching this one, actually. The the candidates were all coming after each other in ways that were entertaining, but probably not quite productive. Um, we, we will debate that a little bit later. Um, I want to welcome all of my guests that are joining me here in the studio. First up is Rance Collins. Hey. You're from Bros for America. Tell people what Bros for America does really quickly. Uh, Bros for America started as a kind of grassroots organizing organization for Hillary Clinton back in 2016. It was Bros for Hillary at the time, and since then we've tried to work with state-wide races uh, across the country to get people voting for Democrats. Nice. Also joining me is Ryan Mitchell. Hello, hello. Ryan is the co-host of Let's Go There with Sheer and Ryan. Tell people yes. about your show. Um, so we talk everything politics, pop culture. I mean, too much information about my crazy-ass life. But yeah, you should listen in. It's always amazing. And uh, also joining me, I don't know how I should introduce you. You are one of my very favorite people that I don't get to see very often. His name is Mervyn Marcano. Hi. How's it going? It's going. Tell people what you do that you're, a, that you're willing to talk about. I'm a political strategist. <laughs> I mean, who are you? Carrie Washington and Scandal? Olivia Pope? <laughs> it's not the first time it's been said. <laughs> Um, okay, we've got so much to talk about uh, throughout the crazy debates. And last time we came in and we said, you know, oh, they came out swinging. And uh, this one was no exception. Um, the, this is the debate that happened in South Carolina just now a couple of days before we go and see the, the primary that will happen there. And I was saying uh, earlier today on Let's Go There and, on, and other places that today's sh- debate was probably going to be even more fiery than the last one because the candidates now are up against each other with having people come out to vote, right? Yeah. And we've now got front row. We have a, a bona fide front runner uh, in Bernie Sanders. We have Pete Buttigieg, who's still been doing relatively well. Uh, we have Joe Biden, who is still flailing. We have Amy Klobuchar. Harder who's, than ever. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> Amy Klobuchar, who's doing better than people expected, right. but still not amazing. Her hair looks really good. I, that's just something I love to note. Yeah. She looks great. I don't know if it was a wig or a new shape up, but it was wonderful. I mean, the bang was still shaking. She's out of her face. Yeah. Is what yeah. it is. But I appreciate it. <laughs> Because she's so boring, but she looked kind of feisty. I was like, oh, put a blouse on her. She's going out for a crazy night. Well, like, I, one of the things about Amy Klobuchar uh, at the very end of the debate, because we're not going to, we don't have a clip of it, but uh, at the end they asked, what is the most common mis- misconception about you? And she said, that I'm boring because I'm not. And I was like, Exactly what oh, boring yeah, exactly. people would say. Exactly. I tweeted out that fo- that I that gif of Amy Poehler and Mean Girls saying, "I'm a cool mom." I'm a cool mom. That's exactly. What that was. <laughs> That's exactly what that felt like. But don't we want her as our mom? I think she would be a great mom, like perfectly oh, for cut sure. Peanut oh, butter sure. and jelly sandwiches. They okay. would be down. Go she probably fish. gets out a ruler, and she. Oh God. No, she sure. does my science projects for me. That's funny. This hypothetical just the made me like her a little bit less. See, yeah. told you. Okay, so right out the gate, uh, Bernie Sanders was asked a question, and Bernie Sanders was really... On the he defensive was, the entire he, night. Well, oh, he of course, was he knew he was going to the be The firing squad yeah. was after him all night, and so... Uh, After his first question, uh, they turned to Mike Bloomberg to ask for his perspective on uh, on Bernie Sanders. And uh, that was uh, an interesting exchange. Here's how that went. Mayor Bloomberg. 
Mayor Bloomberg, Senator, I'll, I'll let you respond to that. Do you think Senator Sanders' economy would be better for America than I, President I Trump? think that uh, Donald Trump thinks it would be better if he's president. I do not think so. Vladimir Putin thinks that Donald Trump is, should be president of the United States. And that's why Russia is helping you get oh, elected Mr. so you'll Bloomberg. lose to him. So I thought if I, <laughs> I mean he's not wrong. If I were if I were Bernie he's Sanders at that wrong. moment, I, I would have probably said to him, "You may be a billionaire, but that was a cheap shot, right?" Like, yeah. I, but but he does bring up something that has been an interesting question to me. In this past week, we've learned that Bernie Sanders, uh, along with Donald Trump, are both being kind of uh, helped by Russian influence by mm-hmm. in ways that we don't know specifically what necessarily all of those things are. And it did make me wonder about Bernie Sanders. We've had this narrative about Bernie Bros, right? About how a Aggressive they are, how you know how they will attack anyone who even uses his name. I've always than a perfect been way. worried about him. Well, we've always, always been, but now it makes yes. me ask the question: Do you think that voters are going to maybe question that narrative that's about Bernie Sanders right now? I sure hope so, just because one thing that we saw tonight was Bernie Sanders actually being questioned on his past. Uh-huh. We have not. He's kind of skated through this thing, kind of really waiting, you know, taking in and kind of winning from his 2016 stance. I feel like all his followers just followed him there. Mm. Um, and so today was a moment where you see him getting, I mean, his gun record, um, everything from, you know, <laughs> how he's looking at certain things now, his Medicare for all plan. It just seems like he's just all talking. There's nothing there. And then if you do question him, he gets very upset. Very grumpy old man. Well, Joe Biden would say, like, Bernie's hardly done anything in the Senate, right? Well, Joe Which- Biden would say anything as clearly tonight. Well, yikes. Okay. But, but uh, Mervin, what do you think? Do you think I mean, that, that the, the information that the Russians are trying to help Bernie I mean, Sanders? I think the Russians will help? do whatever it takes to create any kind of dissension amongst American voters. We saw when they were creating Black Lives Matter pages that were meant to scare white people. We saw that happen in the last election. I think that we can't say for sure that Russia would prefer Bernie Sanders as a candidate. I think Russia would prefer that people continue arguing amongst themselves. Um, And I think we can't trust that any of these Bernie bros are real people. I think that's just the kind of energy that you have to have as a voter right now is that you can't really take everything for face value that you read on the internet. But, I mean, I do think that it's clear that Bernie's the front runner and people are going to beat him up for a little while. And that's probably good. There do need to be some more details on those plans. And I think a lot of people have questions but i think bernie you know continues to rise to the occasion he's the front runner for a reason and a lot of people are hemming and hawing about whether or not he has a plan or sure, not but sure. clearly americans are drawn to bernie sanders and just like, the way they're drawn to donald trump i feel like they're two extremes well and i think people don't know how the middle right same. now yeah rance you told us a little bit ago that uh, bros for america started off as bros for hillary and obviously yes. hillary in the 2016 election uh bernie sanders was the adversary and there was a lot of tension between the the clinton supporter and the the bernie sanders supporter i'm curious how you think this this time around um all of those moderates were that don't necessarily have a single candidate because they're kind a split between a, a Biden and a Klobuchar and a, and a Buttigieg. Um, how do you think they're going to feel about, about Bernie Sanders this time around? Well, I, I will say that the entire reason that our little group started was because we were people who were supporting Hillary and we were getting attacked online mm. for doing so. Now, at the time, we didn't know that Russian bots were in the equation, but I'm sure some of that was Russian bots. But a lot of it were just friends of ours who were calling us names for supporting Hillary, basically. It was very divisive and it didn't it wasn't exclusive to just bots because there were people I knew who were doing this. Oh, wow. And it's and when you put your name and when I put my name besides Hillary Clinton's, I started getting a lot of things in my inbox that I uh, I didn't look at the filtered inbox in Facebook for a while. And then I'd opened it one day and it was like the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. But I think this is a very relevant conversation to have, because just yesterday, uh, someone from Bernie Sanders uh, team, a campaign coordinator of his uh, was fired. Uh, because he had a private account on Twitter that he was using to bash the other candidates and people who supported Mm. them. And uh, last week, Ava DuVernay put on her Twitter that she wasn't feeling Bernie Sanders, and she got attacked from all sides from somebody both Russia and Bernie bros combined, probably. Mm -hmm. So this is a real conversation to have because we're beating up our own over um, people having questions 
about a candidate. So when it comes to South Carolina, obviously, that this is going to be the first time that we see a, an electorate that is predominantly black or that is, that is a large uh, population of black folks. And a new South Carolina poll that just came out from NBC News and Marist uh, shows Joe Biden is still number one, but he's only ahead by four points, which puts him within the margin for error. And I'm really, really curious because watching tonight, I was fascinated by every time Bernie, excuse me, uh, Joe Biden, Tom Steyer or Mike Bloomberg spoke, the audience was hot and like loud and cheering. Mm -hmm. And I was I was fascinated by that dynamic. Mervin, as you're watching that, what is that saying to you as you're watching these people uh, uh, that are going for this? Well, I mean, I think, you know, Biden's been around for a long time. He has a lot of name recognition. He's probably the most popular candidate there um, amongst black folks, like you just said. But I think that, you know, there were a lot of questions about the um, the Bloomberg folks and um, and uh, some of the other folks who were making a lot of noise in the hall. Um, some of that has to do with the cost that it took to get into the debate. You um, said that those tickets were up to $1,600? They were up to $1,600 what? to get into the debate. And so, you know, while the Bloomberg campaign has said that they did not um, pay specifically for people to go because the question was asked, because the hollering was so ridiculous, yeah. um, it seems clear to me that, you know, somebody was, you know, buying tickets in bulk. And that, that was clear in terms of the response of the audience. Where does that money go when people are purchasing tickets? It's the debates. Where's that money? goes to the party, I believe. DNC. I, I believe so. Yeah. That is wild. I had no clue because it. I'm. That just doesn't seem like something you should be profiting off of because then you're already now saying, okay, a certain group of people can't come because they can't afford those tickets. Well, I mean, it's, right. I mean, <laughs> so it really shows the flaws in our system I when mean, we're thinking about. DNC everything. also needs money, you know, because they are yeah. not able to fund races. But right guess now. what? If right. Mike Bloomberg promised that he will continue to funnel all this money into them <laughs> if he doesn't get the nominee, <laughs> so why they don't care about he totally tickets. Understands. He, he got, you know, they don't have to worry about money anymore. I will say, like, no matter what you may have thought of Joe Biden's overall performance, I thought he did play to his audience very, very well. And I, mean, I think that too. he just, I think he put South Carolina in the bag. Well, well, he had to. He so, had no other choice. And, and that's he went after. He had a clear target, and that was sewing up South Carolina. And I think he did that tonight, which will have an effect on the narrative going into Super Tuesday. So uh, one of the things that was interesting to me was Elizabeth Warren versus Mike Bloomberg. Yeah. Because I feel like this is where I feel like I've been seeing Elizabeth Warren at her strongest. Yeah. She loves to come after Mike Bloomberg, and I'm I mean, loving it. She and has her Vaseline on. Listen, she put on a good sneaker. Yeah. Uh, I said last the time, Nikes like, are out. she was coming Listen. out for World Star Clips, right? Like, she was ready for, she came ready. Um, what I thought was great also about my, uh, about going back and forth between Elizabeth Warren and Mike Bloomberg is it kind of gives me what I think would look like, exactly, Elizabeth Warren versus uh, Donald mm. Trump. This is uh, one of the first times that she engaged him tonight. You know, but Bernie and I agree on a lot of things, but I think I would make a better president than Bernie. And the reason for that is that getting a progressive agenda enacted is going to be really hard. And it's going to take someone who digs into the details to make it happen. Bernie and I both wanted to help rein in Wall Street. In 2008, we both got our chance. But I dug in, I fought the big banks, I built the coalitions, and I won. Bernie and I both want to see universal health care, but Bernie's plan doesn't explain how to get there, doesn't show how we're going to get enough allies into it, Thank and you. doesn't show enough about Thank how we're going to pay for it. Thank I dug in, I did the work, and then Bernie's team trashed me for it. We need a president who is going to dig in, do the hard work, and actually get it done. Progressives have got one shot, and we need to spend it with a leader who will get something. So, period. this was her coming at Bernie Sanders, not, not Mike Bloomberg. But she was saying, like... I feel like, like it was a double hitter. No, yeah. She, she came in and said, like, honey, I'm the one that did all the work. What you talking about? Yes, right? Like, that's it. That's it. I... I I'm fascinated by Warren versus uh, Sanders because for a long time they seemed like two sides of the same coin, right? Yeah. And now as as people are coming out to vote, we're seeing like that they're not showing up that same way in the polls. No. Do we think that they could run together at some point, or do we feel like they're so their audiences are so polar opposite mm. that that they've they've kind of ruined the opportunity for that to happen? In well, the that's the great hope, right? Is that I think progressives who are seeing the rift happen between the Sanders campaign and and the Warren campaign are hoping that it's 
some point they will come together and unite. I don't see that happening just because the math, you know, the, the vice presidency is about a, a math problem um, right. in the presidency. And so at the end of the day, I think um, what we're looking at is um, Elizabeth Warren, who is an incredible senator, but also an incredible um, pragmatist and an incredible person who gets things done who understands the system in a way back like the back of her hand in a way that most people on that stage do not yeah and so i think that that's what's um you know showing the distinction between bernie who is much more of an oratory states person whereas elizabeth is going to cross the t's and dot the i's in a way that um you know a lot of people who are concerned about the lack of that in the presidency are really drawn to i think that's a really good point i i i do start to wonder like what kind of pairings do we have on this stage? What are the names that we're not thinking about that might uh, wind up on that kind of a ticket? We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, though, I want to uh, to, to look at how Elizabeth Warren came at Mike Bloomberg because it was <laughs> it was tasty. It was a little zesty. I mean, I uh, was hungry, but after that, I'm full. I'm very full. Tell you. Uh, we got a whole lot more of debate night and late night coming up. Uh, Karen Oakham from the Los Angeles Spade is going to join us in just a few minutes. Oh, Lord. And um, it's going to be spicy. It's going to be spicy. You got more coming up. Don't go anywhere. Debate night in late night with Jared Hill. You kind of like the music there, Ryan. I can oh. tell. I can. I can tell. It's everything. <laughs> it's a really good bop. Welcome back to debate night in late night. I'm Jared Hill, and uh, we are getting into this crazy ass debate that we just saw uh, happening in South Carolina. I want to welcome back all my guests, Rance Collins, Hi, Merv Mercano, Yo. and Ryan Mitchell. Well, hello, everyone. Also joining us on the phone from the Los Angeles Blade is Karen Oakham. Karen, how's it going? Karen, Karen. Does it say on air? Just kidding. This is what happens when you have it's me okay. right on the board. Yeah, yeah, but you're doing wonderful. Karen is joining us now. Karen. Hey, hey, hey. I know what I'm doing. Yes. Oh, okay, girl. Kind of. I almost Some ran days. over there. You don't see that one. Um, it's okay. Sketchy, right? so, uh, Karen Oakham, as I said, is joining us from the Los Angeles Blade. So, okay. Elizabeth Warren versus Mike Bloomberg. Wow. It, An it, iconic it, duo. I was going to say, a memoir, yes. right? Um, <laughs> I have been fascinated by Elizabeth Warren and the ways that she's been handling Mike Bloomberg because I feel like she has been handling Mike Bloomberg. So um, I want to take a look at a moment that she had uh, that, with him uh, a little bit earlier tonight. This Here it is. We're in Charleston. And uh, you know who's going to be in Charleston later this week is Donald Trump. Uh, he's going to be here to raise money for his buddy, Senator Lindsey Graham, who funded Lindsey Graham's campaign for re-election last time. It was Mayor Bloomberg. And that's not the only right-wing senator that Mayor Bloomberg has funded. In 2016, he dumped $12 million into the Pennsylvania Senate race to help re-elect an anti-choice right-wing Republican senator. And I just want to say, the woman challenger was terrific. She lost by a single point. In 2012, he scooped in to try to defend another Republican senator against a woman challenger. That was me. It didn't work, but he tried mm. hard. <laughs> so she she had her own Kamala, that little girl was me mm-hmm. moment. Um, and I, I thought like, okay, Elizabeth, I see you, girl. Um, and I, I appreciate, Elizabeth loves a, a good storytelling moment. Oh, she does. She's a teacher. With a, with a grenade Substitute. in the middle, Oh, my God. Right? I feel like it's nap teacher. time with her. But, like, I'm excited. <laughs> exactly. I can't sleep. <laughs> well, the, but I'm, I'm, I keep thinking that Elizabeth Warren is showing us what she would be like up against Donald Trump. But the chances of that happening seem like they are slowly slipping away. The disrespect. But I, but what I, what I think is interesting about this narrative that she was discussing and people Buddha just talked about this in the last election is like we need to vote for someone who's actually a Democrat and uh, and you know Mervin you're a former New Yorker and or, mm-hmm. or always a New Yorker at heart depending on how you look at that still um, got a 917 as you see Mike Bloomberg in this race I want to know what are your top line thoughts I mean I can't believe y'all voted for him first of all it's a big city, so that you can keep that, y'all. Yes. Second of all, three times. Uh, I mean, listen, I can't. I can't. I've lost count of how many times I was stopped and frisked going Ooh, home, really, at night wow. from the club or whatever. Wow. And I just, you know, I think a lot of people like to forget that that was a particular kind of terror. I mean, I know we're having fun here; it's late, but no, that be was, honest, that was a really messed up 
time in New York City where I think our communities paid for the safety of other communities. And, mm. like, you know, the prisons were filled with folks who had a little weed or mouthed off to a cop. And I think, you know, we're, we're now where New York City's dealing with, you know, Rikers and the overpopulation at jail. And it's a direct result of stop and frisk. So I think, you know, beyond the fact that he spied on Muslim communities and was sued for it, I mean, we're we're all experiencing some sort of collective amnesia about mm-hmm. yeah. what Mike Bloomberg's um what Mike Bloomberg's mayoralty was about. And I just don't think that um we're we're gonna have an easy time of reminding people because every time you turn on the television, it's a Mike Bloomberg ad. I mean, even from the last debate when Elizabeth Warren handed him his but his ass, mm-hmm. you could say it. Handed him his ass yeah. over over his issue with women during this debate. He's got a whole ad already cut with, with like, women, which all I thought was women. so inappropriate for it. No, no, no. I thought it was really good strategy, right? Like if I'm on the Mike Bloomberg team, that's mm-hmm. how you do well, it. Of course, but I I think just as a viewer and someone that cares and someone that's also not a fan of Mike Bloomberg, I just was like, are you kidding me? I feel like that's there's a conflict of interest of him buying ad space in the middle of this debate. At least we should be seeing everyone's, but yeah, I guess it's very smart strategically, politically, but I don't know. I'm, I just am not a fan of him. He's such a smug guy to me. I just can't. I can't deal with. And he the idea. was just. He was just completely over Elizabeth. He was bringing up these issues, and it sucked because he was dismissive about he some serious so, things. So they asked him about stop and frisk. Um, and you 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 brought up stop and frisk and your own experience with stop and frisk. This is how he responded to the question. We let it get out of control, and uh, when I realized that, I cut it back by ninety five percent. And I've apologized and asked for forgiveness. I've met with black leaders to try to get an understanding of how I can better position myself and what I should have done and what I should do next time. But let me tell you, I have been working very hard. We've improved the school system for black and brown uh, uh, students in New York City. We've increased the uh, jobs that are available to them. We've increased the housing that's available to them. We let it get out of control. Um, So I... Which was a boldface lie. Like at the end of his his last term, there were more. There were double the stop and frisk that there were in the first year of his of his of stop and frisk being a policy. So I was really frustrated with the moderators because this was a. I That's think a we can all agree that well, this was a poorly this moderated debate. Come on, Gail. But I mean, I, I, it was I'll just call out the white woman. They'll just call out Gail. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, wait. Sorry, I'm sorry. sorry. Wait. <laughs> Wow. Because it's a two to tango. Nora O'Donnell uh, just sat up somewhere. What did I do? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do think the way that Michael Bloomberg talks about people of color, mm-hmm. it feels like we are others automatically. Mm-hmm. Them, it they. Them, they's. It did not feel inclusive. It did not feel warm. It felt like, oh, I'm talking about someone on the other part of town that mm-hmm. I'll never go to because I'm clutching my pearls. This was the it most time he spent talking to poor people in his Oh, my God. Life. He literally yeah. is getting rid of all of his well, suits. Like, he's there, burning them. There was a moment where they were he uh, was asked about uh, about marginalized communities or something like that and they were having a conversation about black folks because it's South Carolina and everyone had a black friend tonight and he said you know he was he he, he kind of stopped the conversation to jump in and say well you know I know a lot of black people and, hundred. and he, but, but to, too, his, to his point to the point that he was making was like I know that if I were black it would have been a lot more difficult for me to have the success that I've had and I know that there are plenty of um, you know successful black people that would have had a better time of it if they were white which I thought like sure but like okay like yeah. what do we do with that information and Pete Buttigieg tried to jump in too to show his black support behind him Karen you, uh, <laughs> you've done a lot of coverage on Mike Bloomberg um, how do you feel like he fared tonight uh, in this South Carolina debate um, well a couple of things first of all thank you for having me on of course Secondly, you know, referring to the just going back to the Bernie Sanders thing for a minute, I had a back and forth with a Bernie bro tonight who I I think was a Bernie bot because this person only had two followers mm. and, you know, looked to be cutting and pasting information from someplace else. But, I mean, it was like, uh, you know, a serious back and forth about frankly, Elizabeth Warren. And uh, I challenged, I I was doing a lot of live tweeting. And uh, so, okay, a couple of things about Bloomberg. 
First of all, in the first cut that you did, uh, referring to how Bloomberg funded uh, all these Republicans when he was a Republican and funded her opponent, what I felt she was saying there is, oh, and Bloomberg can come at me and I can still win. So that put him down. Say that but one more time that she, did, that she said he did in what? context. You know, and Karen. he didn't. Yes. You said that she said what about him, though? Because I, I think I got mixed up with what you said at the end. Okay. She she was talking about how Bloomberg had funded all these Republicans, right. Lindsey Graham, and then somebody else, and then an opponent of hers, who was actually Scott Brown when she was running uh, for the Kennedy, what used to be right. called the Kennedy seat uh, in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And what my takeaway from that was... And he can throw whatever he wants at me, but I still beat him. I beat Bloomberg's Mm. money Mm -hmm. by defeating this guy who was a senator at the time. And that's how she won her Senate seat. So so that's number one. Um, The other thing about uh, the NDAs I thought was really... Wait, before I get to the NDAs, because that's a whole other point. Stop and frisk. I think that the stop and frisk moment was really actually kind of defining, was a defining moment. How so? Well, because we've heard him say, hey, I apologized, and here are all these black elected leaders and friends I have, etc. But the way that he did it was in that kind of law, you know, da 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 da. You know, it was a sing song. Um, there was no humanity in it. He did not come and say, "I I apologize," and I really mean it. Well, I, I think that's a part of the conversation he, that a lot of us have about Mike Bloomberg. Right? Is that Mike well, Bloomberg? He saying, comes across as really smug. Last time, right, exactly, uh, we were talking about how humorless he is and how he has no charm. And people were waiting to see whether he would come with anything and be like kind of a real person. And why I think it was a defining moment was that he didn't. Mm. He had no humanity. He had rehearsed answers. The thing that I think really threw him, and I heard myself gasp out loud, actually, was when Elizabeth Warren went after him for the NDA stuff. And it was she set it up talking about being a pregnant woman who was discriminated mm. yes. against as a teacher. And then she just... I mean, uh, it's still, you know, let, let me let me tell you what she said. She said, at least I didn't have a boss who said to me, kill it, the way that Mayor Bloomberg is alleged to have said to one of his pregnant employees. And she was furious in the delivery of that. I mean, it was a stripped, rare, actually, raw moment. Yeah, I want to actually uh, take, a cl- take that clip uh, from Elizabeth Warren. Take a listen. You know, this is personal for me. When I was 21 years old, I got my first job as a special education teacher. I loved that job. And by the end of the first year, I was visibly pregnant. The principal wished me luck and gave my job to someone else. Pregnancy discrimination, you bet. But I was 21 years old. I didn't have a union to protect me. and I didn't have any federal law on my side. So I packed up my stuff and I went home. At least I didn't have a boss who said to me, kill it. The way that I Mayor Bloomberg never said that. have said okay. to one of oh, his on. pregnant. So that was one of those moments that was actually really powerful oh to God, watch. For, yeah, if you're watching that moment at home and you hear him say that, it's definitely a stunning kind of moment to hear um, her tell that personal kind of a story and to be well, able to make and, that connection and, the and then to hear. Is remember to, hold on, the hold on, Karen, hold on. Um, I, it's also important because of the way that he jumps in uh, later on in this in this moment to say like, well, actually, if she had done, if she had been in, in my New York, that would not have been happened. That would not have happened to her, and that wouldn't have been possible. For um, to go against her, and I—he's I, the worst. I don't think that moment landed for him no. at all, the no. way that it landed for her. Not at all. And I mean, the the fact of the matter is, 
Bloomberg is haunted by the fact that he has these NDAs and Bloomberg companies that are preventing women from speaking. He lied in the debate stage and said, oh, after the last time, you know, we are, we are, we are handling that. That's not true. They're not doing that. The New York Times and the AP fact-checked that during the debate. He's going to have a problem having to deal with this kind of mess that he's got at the companies without actually... Um, acknowledging the harm that he's caused. He had the same flippant reaction about the stop and frisk as he did when Elizabeth Warren brought up the issues at, at Bloomberg. So I think voters are seeing the man in the ads who's all shiny and like, I can get stuff done. Women love Bloomberg. And and then the man on the debate stage who's rolling his eyes, irritated that he has to talk about the blacks or the women or the whatever. That's the reality. But, but let me, if I may, let yeah, me just interject one of the reasons why I think that is such a powerful moment. Remember who the audience is. You're talking about South Carolina. There are a whole lot of Christian people there who are anti-choice, who are anti-abortion, or who have high rates of uh, uh, maternal, you know, birth uh, deaths you know when they're when they're giving birth um it is a big issue so for her to say kill it that's saying that speaks exactly to the abortion uh you know i mean that without using the word abortion that raises the specter of abortion he may be in fact in policy pro-choice but she just painted him essentially as an abortionist, a, well, a killer of, of babies. And I think that's an important point because one of the, the major conversations around Mike Bloomberg is that he's not a real Democrat, right? He ran as a Republican right. in New York. He was a Republican mayor before he became an independent and then became a Democrat before he ended up running for office, um, before he ended up coming into the the the, the Democratic you know um, candidacy. Uh, Rance, you wanted to say something? Yeah, I'm just curious. Okay, so... Uh, I think we can all agree here about how we feel about Mike Bloomberg at the moment. Uh, He is not doing very well in this at all, and Mm -hmm. his history is not great. What I want to ask, though, is that, okay, going after Mike Bloomberg again so heavily as she did tonight, what what do we think that Elizabeth Warren's objective here is? Because I don't think Mike Bloomberg's audience is her audience. And I'm not sure that by going after him, she's actually bringing votes over to her side. I feel like she's more than anything doing attack work for a Joe Biden or a Pete Buttigieg, because that type of voter seems to be more closely aligned with who would go for Mike Bloomberg. Yeah, but so, she told you why. It's personal for her. Yeah. It's personal for her so because what does she of get the out of issue it? of women's discrimination and because he's a billionaire and she doesn't like the way he, the way he made his money. So I'm just wondering what the strategy way, and is. And what it's turned him into. I mean, I think that I, 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 I think it's a it's an important question. I, I think for, for Elizabeth Warren, her challenge is Getting people to know who Elizabeth Warren is. Yeah. And she has to assert herself, Mm. you know, and essentially command the debate stage from the beginning or else she's going to shrink into the background like Amy. That's just the fact of being on a debate stage with a bunch of dudes. The second thing she has to do is make sure that she is consistent in her attacks on the same kind of crony billionaires that yeah. she has been attacking the entire candidacy. And now she has to share the debate stage. With one. With, with one. Two. Um, right, right. <laughs> and two. so and so she's got so now no you've got this time. guy who's bought his way into the debate stage. Mm. And so she's she's demonstrating to us mm. who she's going to be if she were allowed yeah. to debate Donald Trump on the stage. I think that that's what people get to see when they see Elizabeth Warren. I tonight. agree. One of the interesting oh, one of the interesting dynamics of this uh, of this specific conversation is that Elizabeth Warren is trying to position herself with black voters, right, against Mike Bloomberg, but Mike Bloomberg isn't running in South Carolina. He, She's more also looking forward to Super Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's that interesting dynamic of, of how you play to the audience in front of you and the audience ahead of you, right? Um, but also doing that is Pete Buttigieg, because Pete Buttigieg has really had a difficult time with getting black people to to even uh, to Ooh. hear him as a candidate that I is viable. I thought they loved him. He 
got he was at the cookout, wasn't did, he? Did, yeah, he was did, did they? Is that what you thought? I thought. Take a listen to him. He was talking. also raised in the coleslaw. Take a listen to him talking about <laughs> stop it for it. Mayor, Mayor Mayor to Mayor, you've certainly had your issues with the black community as well. Do you think the New York City's <laughs> implementation of stop and frisk was racist? Yes, in effect it was, because it was about profiling people based on their race. And the mayor even said that they disproportionately stopped uh, white people too often and minorities too little. And I'm, I'm not here to score points. I come at this with a great deal of humility because we have had a lot of issues, especially when it comes to racial justice and policing in my own community. And I come to this with some humility because I'm conscious of the fact that there's seven white people on this stage talking about racial justice. I got to pause right here. Uh, I got to pause right here because, Ryan, I think you know this about me. I love any white person that can address white people as white people. Um, <laughs> like, because it's, it's not common. I just love when I hear a white person say white people because a lot of white people don't say that. But, um, but c- carry on, Pete. <laughs> None of us have the experience, the lived experience of... For example, walking down the street or in a mall and feeling eyes on us, regarding us as dangerous without knowing the first thing about us just because of the color of our skin. None of us have the experience that black women uh, have had that drives that maternal mortality gap that we are all rightly horrified by of going into a doctor and being less likely to have your description of being in pain believe because of your race. Since we thank don't you, have the experience, look, the next, look, best, uh, next best thing we can you, do Mayor. is actually uh, listen to those who do. Thank you. I, know, I, I, know heard that from, I heard that from Pete. You think he's lying? No, no. I, I'm just saying, I, here's something about Mayor Pete that I found to be so disingenuous. I know I'm very critical of him, um, but he's the same person that sat in South Bend, Indiana during a town hall and told a black woman, um, ma'am, I'm not, and after her, she's like pouring her heart out to him about kind of the stuff that's going on there. He said, um, ma'am, I'm not asking you to vote for me. But him running for presidency is him asking for votes. And for him to have told a black woman that after his black issue in South Bend, Indiana, which is like, what, five people? Um, he can't even, he's now sitting here talking like, oh, I, I understand what black women are going through when it comes to birth rates. I understand that stopping frisk is, is racist. I understand all these woke things all of a sudden. But you couldn't even handle yourself in South Bend, Indiana. Where, where's the connect? Because it doesn't make sense to me. Hmm. I mean, I, I, yeah, you know, I, I, Pete's not my candidate. Um, but, uh, and I would normally agree with you. I just think that tonight he had an excellent performance on the debate stage. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is um, important. He has an incredible team. Yeah. Um, he has some great black folks on the team who are clearly giving him some talking oh, points about things. And I think that, you know, tonight <laughs> we saw Pete um, both be the level-headed guy that we sort of know, but also go on the attack. And I thought he landed a really, really important parry um, about the nostalgia of the 50s on the right and the nostalgia of the 60s on the left. It's not a point I agree with, but he he made it. And mm-hmm. I think that um, he's he's showing what kind of what kind of candidate what kind of president he's going to be um he's obviously studying barack um, oh quite a bit like uh, if i have another person JFK. if i have another person tag me or forward me <laughs> a quote from uh, from Pete Buttigieg yes. and well you are the from, melania I, I i get it i get it and and like i mean they they were showing uh, they i someone was saying like didn't barack obama just say and yeah. I, I like pulled up the transcript and was like Actually, this is exactly yeah. what he said. So, I mean, it, it's very on brand for me. I get it. Um, but I, he does have like this Barack Obama cadence. We that know he's charming. Well, no, no, no. It's not about charm so much as like his cadence, his language. Yeah. But I'm also not a hundred percent mad at that. Like, oh no. From a distinction standpoint, like Melania took. 52 or something words exactly from Michelle Obama right. uh, swapped out South Side of right. Chicago for Slovenia, right? Whereas Pete exactly Buttigieg, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but like, but Pete Buttigieg is kind of like talking in the same themes as Barack Obama, yeah. which okay. doesn't bother so me. passes the Jarrett Hill yeah. plagiarism. First of all, presidential plagiarism. I will jump across this table. Can someone ring the bell for me? <laughs> so so you. basically you're the English teacher who says like you have to paraphrase, you can't. Well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, well the reason that I say that, and Karen, I, I hear you um, and we'll come to you. The reason I say that is because like there's only so many ways that we can talk about our dreams for America, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, our dreams for a better America, our hope for tomorrow, mm-hmm. what we want to do for our children and so like if it's thematic 
to me, it's okay. If it's like... Give you a little theater with it. Exactly. If it's a transcript, it's a different kind of thing. Go ahead, Karen. Well, so a couple of things about this. First of all, I thought that one of the outstanding things was the difference between um, Bernie Sanders dealing with Fidel Castro Mm. and Pete Buttigieg being asked about uh, black support and pointing to the Douglas plan and saying that was put together because of and with black voices, which to me suggests an evolution from sitting there and saying to that woman, I, you know, you don't have to vote for me, to now where he has a, 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 an actual plan that he didn't, you know, put together himself. I don't think that means it's genuine. Other people. So there, there looks to be an evolution on that. That's number one. Number two, he raised a really, really important point about Sanders, which is to say that, you know, as a Democrat, how are these down-ballot uh, folks... We have to keep the House, and we need to retake the Senate, he was saying. And how are we going to do that if everybody has to explain what a socialist is up against Donald Trump? And I thought that that was, you know, bringing up the House and Senate races and those down-ballot races, and, you know, who are, based on whose values and who's a socialist, I thought was a really important point as well. I, I we got to take a quick break here, but um, I want to come back because there was a there's a moment with Tom Steyer that I thought there was some some real value in him talking about the dangers of uh, two of the front running candidates. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, my whole team is still going to stick around. Uh, Karen, can you hang out with us for another couple minutes? Oh, sure. All right. We're going to take a quick break. More debate night and late night with Jared Hill coming up. Debate night and late night with Jared Hill. Welcome back to Debate Night and Late Night with Jared Hill. Guess what? I'm Jared Hill. And uh, bringing back my whole entire panel, uh, Ryan Mitchell from Let's Go There with Sheeran Ryan. Hello, everyone. I've got Rance Collins from Bros for America. And I've got, oh, no, there we go. My, that's why I turned mine on. Sorry. He'd he be sabotaging and people. I'm okay. here. Believe you know me. what? Listen, <laughs> you do it three times and then you're that guy. Uh, <laughs> a political strategist, Marvin Marcano, is joining us. Hi. And also on the phone with us is Karen Oakham from Los Angeles Blade. Karen. 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 Karen, are you there? Karen, are you there? There you are. I am here. I'm here. Can you hear me? <laughs> yes, we can hear you just fine. All right. So this other moment that I thought was great, like I, I don't know what it is about him that I like, but there's something about Tom Steyer that hits for me. He is like your grandpa, like that you go fishing with every two like weekends. I don't know. I, I Tom uh, you Steyer went like fishing so often. I, well, right. I'm like I lived in the South. That was my summer camp. Hello, Nashville. <laughs> I, I, I touched a few worms. I will man say included. that. I, wow. Okay. Oh see. my. Period. Remember. You're welcome. This is terrestrial radio. It's political. Don't go down that. Don't, don't go down that path. My sexuality is political. So. We, we um, but included. Tom Steyer is uh, is really are, hello people. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Welcome back to the conversation. That was my thought. Sorry. Um, but there's something about Tom Steyer that I really enjoy, and uh, one of the earlier things that he said in the the debate tonight was about how there's a a, a risk associated with uh, two of our front running candidates. This conversation shows a huge risk for the Democratic Party. We are looking at a party that has decided that we're either going to support someone who's a a democratic socialist or somebody who has a long history of being a Republican. And let me say that I got into this race because I wanted to fight for economic justice, for racial justice, and to make sure we had climate justice for the American people. And I am scared. I love him for, and I am scared. Yeah, he's terrified. <laughs> I, I think that he raises a really it good is point, though. Nice like, though. It, it, I, how are you guys feeling about Tom Steyer? Because uh, when I tell you, looking at the at the polling, that's what I'm saying. I don't even take him serious. I'm I'm surprised him and so many others are still running. Well, but here's the thing: when you look at the polling in South Carolina, he's number three. Joe Biden is number one with 27 percent. Bernie Sanders is number two with 23 percent, and Tom Steyer is at 15 percent and number be- three. He's a believable okay. white guy when he says he has black friends. To me, like yeah. he's actually very he's very believable because he seems like he's a very nice guy. He's but also, he been also spending. has. A ton of money in oh, South of Carolina. Course. That's yeah. where it comes from. That's the focus on. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. He's been there for a long time. Mm-hmm. He's shown up. 
and he, you know, he picked uh, he picked South Carolina to go head to head with Biden. That was his jumping and off point, fact, just like Bloomberg's jumping off point is Super Tuesday. And in fact, and it, he should remember, have done better. Remember, Super Tuesday, California alone has four hundred and fifteen delegates. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just California. That's three days after South Carolina. So, in some ways, we should be talking about what the hell is going to happen with with Super Tuesday, especially since, at least Los Angeles, I think, all of California has a new voting system. <laughs> so, and new polling and uh, polling um, centers and, I mean, I'm sorry, voting centers. And, you know, there are some people you want to talk about being afraid. There are some people who are afraid that California may wind up looking a little like Iowa, minus all the people showing up and, you know, to uh, caucus. Well, I have to tell you, I have to tell you, I'm one of the things that Tom Steyer has said multiple times, but never really seems to land, uh, is obviously very clearly directed at uh, black voters. And it's uh, a a divisive issue within the party. Uh, take a listen. Every si- every single policy area in the United States has a gigantic subtext of race. Yes. We're talking about education. We're talking about criminal justice. We're talking about housing. We're talking about loans. I started a bank to to basically to correct the injustice injustice in the financial services industry. Basically, to make loans to black-owned, Latino-owned, and women-owned businesses. We've supported over 8,000 affordable housing units. But more than that, I believe I'm the only person on this stage who believes in reparations for slavery. Something happened. So this is something that I've heard him talk about multiple times. And reparations mm-hmm. is something that is controversial for a lot of people. But like I, I've heard him mention this multiple times, and I don't think it's a coincidence that he's bringing it up in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, Mervin, what do you think? Do you think this lands for people at all? Does, does it make a, a difference with him in, in polling? I think somewhat. I mean, I think earlier in the race, there was a lot of conversation about reparations. It sort mm-hmm. of died down a little bit. Yeah. But each of the candidates were lobbied pretty hard, I think, by folks who really care about the issue and Tom Steyer was really receptive to it and I think he thinks it's now differentiating him from the other candidates whether or not it matters to the average South Carolina primary voter I'm not quite sure Mm. but I do think that it will matter in the election in the general election when Democrats will need new voters unlikely voters to counter um, a, a Republican candidacy from Donald Trump. But I do think, you know, to your earlier point that I think you were making about what Tom Steyer was saying in terms of the dangers of the two candidates, mm-hmm. you know, this is an election where I think we we are all sort of doing a lot of hand-wringing about, you know, who's to this or who's to that. And what it's really showing us is that the Democratic Party is having a crisis in terms of what it stands for. and, and An identity an crisis. An identity crisis. Yeah. And I yeah. think that, that in most other countries, Bernie Sanders and Bloomberg would not be in the same political party. And I think that that is, that is the tension that we're going to see when a lot of young people and a lot of new voters are going to come to the to the door of the Democratic Party and say, hey, you don't speak for us. So the Dems do have to make a decision about what kind of party this is going to be in 2020. And I'm not sure that the best strategy is, I think, Amy Klobuchar's consistent talking point, which is like, you know, if you want everything to kind of just be Mm -hmm. okay, you know, come with me. I I just don't think that's going to work. So as a political strategist, then, how do you envision uh, this going? And how how could this go well for Democrats? Because I think we can all see the ways that it could go very badly very quickly. So many ways. There's so many ways it could go badly, and I think we don't actually spend enough time talking about it. But I do think that, um, you know, there's a lot of people on cable news talking about and worrying about Bernie Sanders and and even Elizabeth Warren to a certain extent. And I just think that um, what's happening is that we have a new a, a set of candidates that are running new organizing engines that are bringing new folks into the party. Mm. And I think that we have to 
deal with that and be accommodating of folks who who aren't scared of Medicare for all, who aren't scared of of health care, who aren't scared of, of of debt cancellation for student loans. This is very important to a lot of people. Yeah. And it's not going to be enough to say, well, we can negotiate with Mitch McConnell to find something that works for your grandma. And it's like, I just don't think that we can afford another mm-hmm. election cycle and of negotiation. The, bringing in, like ushering in the next generation of voters, right? Because that's what it seems like this is where it's all coming from. A lot of people around millennial Gen Z or age are feeling very upset with the political climate right now. Mm-hmm. They are paying attention. And that's why they're really, you know, pulling towards Bernie. Well, I mean, that's that's all well and good. But I mean, the fact is, I, I don't think that the numbers so far, even though he won very handily in Nevada, it still was a very small percentage of their electorate. Oh, yeah. I don't see these huge numbers of young voters. I don't think that there is any difference in any generation about what percentage of the young population is really going to be voting. And an uptick in young voters is still never going to match what you get from older voters. And that's why it matters when you go on television and give a little par- partial praise to Fidel Castro, because that's what ends that's it, it, that ends up with you losing Florida. And yeah. right now the Democrats need to look at a general election in a general election mindset that can actually pull people in later on down the road because right now we have very few opportunities to win the electoral college. Everyone is down 10 points right now in Wisconsin in a poll that came out last week. Every single candidate. Wisconsin, Rust Belt may not be on the table and we just had our front runner take away a really good shot at Florida. So we need to start looking at things from that mindset. I as we get ready to to wrap up here, I I'm I'm looking at the this this poll that came out of South Carolina and I have to tell you that Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Tom Steyer being the top 3, I, it does make me wonder what we what we have coming up this weekend. I'm confused. Uh, and how it exactly I am too. Um and Joe Biden has continually said that this is his firewall. We only have a few uh, another minute here left, but if Joe Biden doesn't win in South Carolina, he will. Do you think so? Sorry, I, there was another poll where he was up by fifteen this week. In addition to that poll, where he is up by three, I he also delivered at this debate exactly what he needed to to sew up South Carolina. He's fine. See, I didn't feel like he delivered to that's, me. That's, yeah, I didn't, I didn't that's feel how that I way. Felt. I felt that. I mean, same that's thing. the buzz and the articles that are coming up after. So yeah, but I do think there. I don't. My thing is, I'm looking at what I feel as a voter and performance. I'm especially someone that is the average voter. I don't think they're going and looking at these media public like the media in general, mm-hmm. especially with fake news and all these things. Like I feel like people are if they're watching it, they are trying to see. Oh, did he prove that to me or not? I think a lot of voters mm-hmm. are being a little bit more strategic than just going to CNN just to find out what they. Do have you to think the voters in South Carolina are online? Though? To be honest, well, I don't even. That's why I was low key kind of very excited that. Uh, um, no shade, but that BET was like running the debate today, right? They well, were they were st- st- doing it. That's a I, large I group of people that awesome. wouldn't see it. I think what's what's gonna what ends up being important to me is that like Joe Biden has had a long you know history of of being supported in this election mm-hmm. by black folks, yeah. but I think that as we continually see Joe Biden up against other candidates and how well they perform in these debates, how articulate they are on these issues, I don't know that that Joe Biden is really showing himself to be like such a strong candidate. Um, we're completely out of time though I want to thank all of my guests for joining us uh, Ryan Mitchell from Let's Go There weekdays here on Channel Q from 4 to 7 Pacific time yep tune in uh, tell people where they can find you Mervin on Twitter on the social media Brit Rican. yes uh, I tweeted it out so you guys can follow him Rance where can people find you uh, I am also on Twitter and Instagram at Rance Collins <laughs> you didn't let me do and that and Karen Oakham uh, everyone can find you at the Los Angeles Blade thank you all so much for being here we'll see you guys next time don't go anywhere Debate Night in Late Night with Jared Hill